Welcome to NoClip. I'm Chad Ruffin. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kent. And today, we're going to be talking about Journey, a game that was released in 2012, developed by That Game Company, and published by Sony Computer Entertainment. Um, Journey was the third game in a deal that Sony had struck up with That Game Company to produce three games um, exclusively for their consoles. Following Flow and Flower after that. Uh, before that. Right. The opposite of what I said. <laughs> uh, and, um, there's, I mean, it's a short game. It's like, we, I, what, I, I get through in about two and a half, three hours. Right. Uh, the most recent time that I played it. But, uh, there's definitely a lot to unpack. Um, the game, it kind of, I don't want to say it, like, defies genre, because I think that's like, giving it. As much credit as the game does deserve is giving it a little bit more credit than it might warrant. I, maybe it's genreless. Yeah, it's a game a that takes the like concept of what you do in a game and just sort of like simplifies it into its most basic elements. Three um, D movement is right. the yeah yeah. The genre with, is is movement with <laughs> really great movement mechanics. Yeah, as I'm sure we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, before we go into that. Um, and we can veto this and put it later if you guys want to. Mm-hmm. But um, the thought that I had that was, like, really pressing um, as I was, like, researching the game to make sure that I had, like, enough stuff to talk about um, is that this game did something so right that, like, it actually affected the games industry to a certain extent because it's so not a game that you would uh, associate with, like, the realm of video games. It wouldn't be the first thing that you came up with when you're thinking about games. Mm -hmm. And yet it was the highest-selling PlayStation Network game at the time of its release, and it was recognized by... Well, as expected, it was recognized by a lot of critics, but it was recognized by things like the Spike Video Game Awards. What? Which is... Yeah, they got an award... And it's like, I mean, obviously the people who host the Spike Video Game Awards probably didn't actually give a shit about what the game did, but uh, <laughs> following our long-running hatred of games award shows, <laughs> uh, but like, it's crazy that that, like, it, it caused enough of a splash that they had to give it notice, because yeah. enough people were talking about it. I did not it, it really it sold well. Yeah. It, yeah really caught on with like pretty much everybody yeah it was it was a game that i was like aware of even though i didn't own a ps3 it was uh, a friend of mine who i only know through uh my brother actually but i only know him as somebody who plays like shooter games like he got a ps3 to play um resistance fall of man and just like that's the only thing that I ever knew he played. And, like, I was at his house, and he was just like, you should play Journey. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I played him a controller. And, like, I was aware of the game and just, like, played it. I was like, this is, like, not what I expected from you yeah. <laughs> at all. It, it almost kind of seems like it, it pulled a portal, and it was, like, just was a shorter game that, like, had really focused mechanics that it pulled off really well in a unique way, and it just kind of exploded. Yeah. It was, yeah, and that's, to me, very surprising and a little bit promising. It's one of those moments where you're like, I'm glad that, like, people stood up and took notice when somebody did something that was just 
wildly different than what we were seeing, especially yeah. in the PS3. Yeah, Xbox especially in the last console generation. Yeah. Because this kind of stuff is more popular now, even just a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. And it might be partially because of Journey. Yeah. And I, uh, like, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I do just want to mention that because I think it is, it's really striking that this game managed to, like, rope in as many people as it did. Well, it's open. It's extremely open. It's yeah. And plenty of people are still playing it now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when I, I play it, as soon as, like, a person dropped out, a new person immediately came we in. We come back, There's yeah. There's still plenty of people playing the game. They have the freedom, I guess, because <laughs> I must admit, I'm not particularly familiar with the journey matchmaking system, if one even exists <laughs> at all, but when you're playing online games normally for one reason or another you often have to be limited to a subset of the people playing the game with you at any one time and journey doesn't really have that problem because there's no limiting factor which you can put people together except for like i guess being around the same levels at the same time right Right. so even a very small community relatively speaking i think you have to be in like the same area to show up yeah the the game is is gated in such a way where uh as you approach this is, I really did not expect to be talking about like the mechanical workings of this game. Uh, like the altars? Yeah, and when, when you approach the altars and it plays like the next like short scene and mm-hmm. then sends you into the next area, those areas individually are ones where if somebody else is in the area, you can be uh, dropped into with each them. other. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But not, you're not going to spawn like way far away. Right. Well, because there's no spawning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Journey yeah. doesn't have like... There. Yeah, there's no animation of, like, your character, like, no, but they have coming been. out of a puddle of light in the ground or something. <laughs> uh, it, it does that for the person that you're playing with, but, it, it like, you don't do that yourself. It's, right. it's all seamless. Yeah. Which seamless yeah. is a really great way to describe this game as a whole. Yeah, yeah, but sidebar that. Oh, oh To go yeah. into. About on the multiplayer, I... Actually, despite how popular this game was, knew, like, almost nothing about it. Like, I just heard of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know anything specifically other than, like, what it looked like. So I didn't know this game had multiplayer. Oh. So, like, I started playing it, and I got through, like, the first two areas. And, like, the area with the bridge. You know, you have to complete the bridge to get up. A person was dropped into my game. He just, like, came running up, you know, to me. And I'm like... It's like pinging. Chirp, yeah, chirp. pinging, chirp, yeah, chirp, chirping, chirping, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, is this an NPC? Because <laughs> like, like, this, and coincidentally, this was a person who had like beaten this game probably like a ton of times. Mm-hmm. Because they were just like leading me to like everything. Like trying to help me like get all the achievements and stuff. Like yeah. it was like it's like he had like a map. He was like we gotta go here to <laughs> this point to that point. Like running straight to everything and like pinging to me to follow. Mm-hmm. So I was and like an uncompensated and, journey right, tour so, guide. <laughs> yeah. So I had already completed that area. Mm-hmm. So we just like ran to the altar and, like, at this point, I was pretty sure it was just going to be an NPC. Because, like, based on what I'd seen so far, this seemed like a single-player game. And, like, the next area was, like, that, that big open desert area. So I'm like, oh, they're, like, introducing this NPC to help me through this way open area. And then, like, when we get to the next area, it's like he's going to die or something. So and it's going to, like, reinforce that uh, feeling of loneliness the game wants you to have. Right. So that was my thought process. Yeah. And but and yet 
And that's just how good this guy was at the game. It's like he was just acting like a strategy guy. <laughs> he seemed like a machine from your yes, perspective. Yes, yes. It's like it seemed like he was being controlled by a computer. Because <laughs> like he led, and he even led me to like there's like a, an achievement in the desert where you find a mirage flower, and he uh, like led me to that, and it was like <laughs> achievement. <laughs> oh Jesus! Like maybe this is like a real person. Right. <laughs> so yeah, and then I just ditched him eventually. I just like sat down and didn't move until he left. What? Because yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to go through the game like that with oh. him showing me everything. Okay. Yeah, that's uh. When I was going through it, I had, somebody dropped in in that exact same spot for me, and it was like, <laughs> is it like as much as this game like is very much like. It's a very human game, and it's a game that uh, wants to sort of, like, play on your emotions. Not necessarily play on your emotions so much as just, like, make you very aware of them. Uh, like, I, <laughs> this guy dropped in, but he dropped in really late, and he wasn't done with the bridge. And so I was just like, I'm just gonna leave him. <laughs> so I bailed on him, and, like, went through the next area. I was like... Oh, that guy seemed really excited that he found somebody. Yeah, like, he was, like, <laughs> kicking, like, crazy and, like, jumping around me, and I was just like, I don't want to sit here and wait And then I just, like, ran away. So I just, like, left and went to the next area, and then, like, I got, so I just spurned the first guy. The A second dude dropped in at one point and, like, was walk, and, like was just, like, walking with me through the area with the first enemies, and then, like, I got distracted, and he ended up leaving, and then I died cold and alone. <laughs> <laughs> and so nobody was there to, uh, to, to die with me. You know what's great about Journey? And specifically the multiplayer systems in Journey? Everything. Is that you can interact... <laughs> <laughs> is that you can interact in only so... Just a small number of ways that it... Allows you to like assume the best of people, mm. even when they are complete assholes. Like right. Both of the stories See, we have described. I had a slightly different experience because, like, my first thought was like, "This guy's a douche." This guy's a douche for d helping you do everything. Yes, I think in this kind of game, it's no fun if you're a new player and someone's just showing you where everything is. Sure. So. Fuck that. I was like, so I, I ditched that guy. So I was like, neg initial experience, negative. Then the next guy who dropped in um, was like probably a child because they were just like slowly wandering around and like staring at walls and stuff. Like just now like not knowing what they were supposed to do. So it's I, very pretty. So I did, well, that's true, but they just like weren't doing anything. So I ditched that person. Mm -hmm. Second experience, negative. Third person I ran into, though was, like, actually, like, a normal person who wanted to play the game and was, like, playing it, I think, for the first time as well. And I actually had fun playing with them. Right. So third experience, positive. <laughs> so, yeah, I started off not liking the multiplayer at all and then ended up liking it by the end. Yeah. And multiplayer is always a mixed bag, and Journey does, like, probably the best that it could possibly do to mitigate, like... Because it's not like you can, like... Nobody's dropping into Journey multiplayer to, like, like gank a new player. <laughs> yeah. It's not a thing that the game makes, like, a feasible option. Uh, so, like, just showing up and just doing your own thing. Or rather... Because you don't... Nobody initiates the multiplayer. Yeah. So, really, the other person may as well also be showing up in your world. So, everyone sort of exists with their own goals... 
and your goal could align with each other. Yeah, and your your goal could suddenly become like play with this person and do things with them, but it's certainly not necessary. And since you're both working toward the same thing, it's hard to get in the way. I think it does a good job of like kind of capturing the essence of real life relationships. Like they're just going to be people that you don't like and don't want to associate with. The right. That you do. Yeah, that guy who was just showing everything yeah. was just like that know-it-all jackass. Yeah, who was, <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you don't want to associate with him. But then if you find somebody you like playing with, you're going to want to like stick with them till the end. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cute? <laughs> it uh, is. It's very cute. Yeah. yeah. So there's like an elegance to that, uh, how it like makes you like, you, you approach, approach the relationships with other players like you would relationships with people in your real life. Yeah. These are uh, these really good, like, visualization of this um and and like sort of an argument for the the multiplayer being like very entrenched with the story of the game because not the story necessarily but the feelings of the game um there's a a a part where you're you're going up like don't crucify me if i'm wrong about the exact area are you going toward the mountain are you walking toward the mountain you're going toward not like in the yeah (laughs) like the whole game uh but like it's 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 pretty early on it's before the Tony Hawk Pro Skater uh, skateboarding down the uh, no. the dunes scene, um, <laughs> where you're. <laughs> and it's be close to like. That wouldn't work at all. If like ten eighty snowboarding. Yeah, but uh, you go into this room, and uh, in the room there's just like a blank square on the wall, and there's little pillars, and they're the pillars that you've seen uh, when you transition between areas when you activate the altars, and um, when you light all of them up, it just displays like. Basically, like, the ultimate, like, pictorial way of showing dead people, which is alive people, but 90 degrees (laughs) to the right. So it's just, like, a stack of of bodies laid out horizontally, and you're just, like, that, like, indicates that, like, this is a grave site. Like, there are a lot of dead people who look and are dressed just like you. And so it makes having another living person drop into your world feel like more appreciated mm-hmm. like you sit you're like oh like here is that like even and if you like, understand the system it like justifies just like, it too that yeah. like there's like you're like a culture of people it's like making this pilgrimage for whatever reason right yeah, yeah. and it's just, i remember that just sort of drove because like that's right after i just totally ditched that guy <laughs> yeah and it was like, like i feel a little bit worse yeah, now. It's, it's something that you might not even like realize right away mm-hmm. like you kind of like understand what some of the symbols mean unless you get later into the game yeah so it increases the replay value it's really important thing to recognize though that as we continue to talk about how we like intentionally ditched people while trying to play through the game that from the perspective of that other person they're probably just like oh maybe they're like making a sandwich or something like they probably <laughs> yeah. because there's no way that they can interpret your action negatively just like moved on with their journey and never thought like really another part of it right. you always get to well, the end of journey and get surprised by the number of different people you run into at least i did anyway i don't know if you guys i only ran into two people, yeah, ah, people. i mean that comes from playing the game four years after it came out on its second console release oh like, yeah sure it's just you're not going to encounter as many people as you would on launch my mother encountered seven seven people did she take a really long time to get yes she did uh, surprise yeah. surprise Weird thing that I don't know if you guys would have done, but uh, did you, like, perceive genders for the different uh, people that you dropped into your game? Nope. Nope. Uh, I did. 
They're both the ones that I disliked, I perceived as male, and the one that I liked, I perceived as female. <laughs> and I guess maybe that's just because I'm a guy. That's but, fun. Yeah, I was just like, these guys are assholes. Like, this, this chick is cool. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were say, like, in it the could game. have been the opposite. You know? Yeah, because, I, like, like, all of the characters. Oh, no, like, like the, the your player character? No, yeah. I didn't. Oh. Like, I mean, like, the other people. Oh, you meant perceived, like. Genders for the players. Yeah, so yeah. That's, yeah, I shouldn't. Yeah, I thought please. you meant literally perceived, like, you saw some nice curvature oh, on, like, no. one of the models. No. Yeah. The, that's a no. It, it's a, the gender is ambiguous for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's in it's it, like supposed to be intuited that way, um, and it's like because of like the character design, um, which I mean, I'm not really well versed in in debating this, but I, I think I mean the character design is is very well done for what the game wants to do, mm-hmm. um, and so obviously I projected like a male persona onto the player character because ostensibly the character in Journey is just supposed to be you. you, like, in the world, right? So, but, like, there's definitely, like, the the white spirits that show up at the, uh, the altars and at the end of the game are, like, have a certain, like, matronly quality to them where you, you can describe a female gender to them if you well, choose to. You could even think, like, they wear, like, a kind of, like, a dressy looking outfit they wear a scarf and they're very graceful right so you could i think could see people perceiving the main character as a female true i mean, yeah I, and i mean it's up to interpretation but like that's very much like the symbolism of this game is like everyone is it what i don't want to say human because you're not necessarily human you have eyes that's really all we know and, for and sure. Legs. And legs. legs. And not necessarily arms. Yeah, you might not have arms at all. Uh, but, like, you, the... the Everyone is supposed to be treated, like, equally. Yeah. Like, this game just treats people in the game as people in the game. And uh, the ones that are special are demarcated by color and size. And so, that's literally all of the the difference you get. And I think it sort of works to give the game its universal appeal. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely very universal in its themes and in its design mm-hmm. of the characters. I don't want really to cut you off. I feel like you started a statement there. I did? Oh, I <laughs> Maybe you were just saying, yeah. Classic <laughs> JJ. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But, okay, if you have nothing on that... Hashtag um, classic JJ. I think uh, the, I just, the best place to go on that is... <sighs> I have one thing. Like, I'm trying to, to choke it down because it seems so dumb. But the thing that always seemed emblematic of the game was Big Sigh, a webcomic that I saw, like when the game How that is. like came out. It was like a, it was some webcomic on the Escapist. I don't remember the actual name of the thing, mm-hmm. but the, the the setup was just you know people playing Journey and like the main character being emotional. And then it is revealed that the other character they are playing with is like a white supremacist <laughs> stuff who is like also crying and being teary, and that speaks to most of the strikes, at least yeah. in the multiplayer aspects of the game for me. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think I think the place to go from that is the the universality universe. Ooh, uh, ooh, <laughs> there's a word for this that I thought I knew, but apparently I universality. Not. Is yeah, that the... that's what I said. I don't know. I'm not sure. You, you can just correct say... us if we're wrong. But the uh, the universal like appeal of this game, mm-hmm. though appeal maybe not the word I want. Yeah. Um, Reach. 
the universal reach of the Well, game. I don't say that the game, like, appeals to everybody, because clearly it doesn't, but the game... Uh, is open. Yeah, it's, it's open a, to all comers. Right. Um, is that the game's namesake is, like, the classical <laughs> hero's journey, um, which the game models itself after quite intentionally, um, to draw, like, a very familiar, forgive the... Uh, wordplay line in the sand to uh, <laughs> um, the player to just there's no complexity to yeah it's like the a very stripped of down version of like a very one of the most common plot lines right. arguably the most yeah. common plot line in all so of yeah it's easy to follow mm. the, the your objective it allows it to to do what it tries to do very like fluidly. Which is kind of how I describe everything in this game is just fluid. Like yeah. your movement, the story progression, like the multiplayer, sand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> everything is very fluid, and uh, it's not a game that's about its story yeah. or about its gameplay. It's, it's very about its easy feeling. to like understand too. Like you start out, you see the mountain, you're like head towards the mountain. <laughs> right. You got it immediately. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's like. It, it's, it makes it impossible to, like, not be able to see the forest for the trees, where you're sort of, like, you can get sidetracked and, like, do lots of things in all the areas, um, and, like, really explore or really press forward, but at all times, you can just gaze up and, like, big fucking beam of light mountain. Except for the part where you're underground. Except for that part. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that's a very linear part. You're not doing much exploring right, yeah. when you're at risk of being yeah. shredded. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's elegant design, I guess I'll say. So yeah, okay, yes. uh, since I played this game around when it came out, I've beaten it maybe three times historically. But I've seen other people beat it because I kept introducing it to other people who live with me in the apartment and all of their friends because it was so open. Everyone would see the game and it would seem easy to them and pretty, and so you'd have you know things like Shannon. Would, would come and start things playing. Things like, like Shannon. <laughs> That's my favorite 1990s romantic comedy starring Jim Carrey and Meg Ryan. Sorry. Never mind. People. People play this video game. <laughs> um, Shannon's a chess player. Sh- yeah. Playing robot. <laughs> I was gonna use Shannon's a houseplant. He <laughs> just sat a PS3 controller in front of him. And even Shannon was able to beat the game. <laughs> just lean on the forward stick. But anyway, so people like yeah, Shannon so, even so, play the game. So I've seen this game played through to completion realistically probably like ten times. So for the cast this time, since the mechanics aren't something where I'm going to on the 11th time, I felt like get like some kind of new, revised understanding. Uh, but I did want to be reminded, of course, of, you know, all the goings-on of the game. So instead of just, like, watching a Let's Play again or something, I t- tried to do, a, like, a weird, more interesting thing. I got my mother to play Journey. Um, <laughs> when she's, she's, like, aware of video games as a thing, but, of course, is not into them because she is not from our generation. But Didn't she play like 10 minutes of Undertale one time? Yeah, she played 10 minutes of Undertale one time, but that's not actually her defining experience. Right. She was, when she was young, 
uh, like straight up addicted to I, it was Dragon Warrior or what's the FMV game with dragon in the name? Or it was like animated scenes, and you're playing a knight. And you're oh, playing uh, uh, not dragon. Oh, uh, dragon's Lair? Dragon. The Tom Bluth game? I don't. I well, that's really like everything that we. Went I have like no it's familiarity like, with it's this. It's like a hand drawn. Yeah. Version. Yeah. It's yeah. Dragon's Lair. She was straight up like addicted to that to a point where she had to like intentionally cut it out of her life. <laughs> and that I believe is her entire familiarity with the genre, other than just like watching me do stuff when as I was growing up. Right. Right. Um. So familiar with like a point and clickish style game. That's not as far as she goes. Yeah, but she's aware of most of the tropes because you can't be around me for long enough without being aware of some of these tropes in some ways. Uh, but it was I'm so glad I got to watch her start to finish go through this because it revealed so many of like the cool, weird little design choices that they made that allowed for this kind of openness and availability, other than it just like being a pretty game with not very complex mechanics. Probably the craziest one. Journey gives you absolutely no tutorial about moving the camera with the right stick. Not at all. Right. If you, it, you, just if you have no familiar with games beforehand, are expected to just use the like kind of slow gyroscopic movement in the six axis to deal with all camera movement. When they never call it out like at any point ever. So seeing her going through like these challenges and just doing like sort of the slow little wave back and forth. It, like, forced the game into an intentionally much slower state because she just couldn't move the camera as fast as we can when we use the stick. Right. So it, like, forced her not just to, like, see all these, like, crazy majestic views and things like that as she was going back and forth, but it also forced her to, like, consider the slow platforming challenges as they appeared. It was a really nice touch. But... There's like tons of little tiny things like that. On that, it, it's it's kind of it's interesting because if the object of implementing that camera control like mechanic was to make the game more accessible to more people, it actually bears some like understandable means because you like think back to a lot of people who, when playing games for like the earlier periods in their life, would like play Mario Kart and, like, jostle the controller left and right to try and turn faster. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a thing that exists in our culture as, like, a thing people do. Yeah, like, it's kind of like the for the Wii. Yeah. Right. Every ridiculous, like, representation of people playing video games by people who don't do it themselves always has them, like, wildly, like, moving their elbows right. and controlling <laughs> all over creation for some reason. I don't know why people believe that that's how controllers work, but it is. But like even that implementation of that system, interestingly enough, didn't solve all the problems because she kept again being completely ignorant about like how motion controls are normally implemented in contexts like this, not knowing whether the camera was moved by like using it like a steering wheel on right. like a horizontal plane. The return of the hilarious giant tractor <laughs> stealing a steering wheel yes. from episode one. Uh, when describing the team. Yeah, I knew how. Right, and because it's like motion controls, it's like incredibly mushy, so you don't get like one-to-one. -one. Yeah, because if you move it this way, just because you're a human being and you're not perfect, you'll move it up and down like a little bit in the correct direction. Would you say they're like the mashed potatoes of motion <laughs> controls? <laughs> 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 We're really pulling out all of the in-jokes for this episode. Uh, <laughs> references to, you know, clip back catalog. Aside, um, oh, I'd like to point out, uh, check us out on iTunes. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> you say that till the end. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
But if if uh, whatever, yes, completely off my true. game now. So, you're saying they were mushy it's fine. controls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and not just like the, not just the camera controls themselves uh, were mushy, but like actual defined goals in the game are equally mushy. Even things that you wouldn't expect. Like, of course, in a game like this, all the platforms that you have to reach are generally very large and defined, so it doesn't require a lot of pinpoint accuracy. Right. Uh, but the pickups are equally mushy. Like, you have to, you can be pretty damn far away from any of the little, like, light pickups that you get, uh, and still get them. They actually, like, track to you. Mm -hmm. And it's, I assume that that was just, like, an animation after you got it, but that's actually not the case. They start going to you, even if you miss it, by, like, a fairly wide margin, because yeah. I consistently see her go for these light pickups because they're shiny and nice, right. uh, and miss it by what I thought was, like, a huge margin, and she got the pickup anyway. Yeah, I, I was drawing comparisons while I was playing to uh, the, like, health and experience balls in Kingdom Hearts, mm -hmm. where, like, they sort of just, like, right. vacuum themselves yeah. to you and you walk past them. Yeah, oh, that's uh, actually an ability that you equip. Oh, you yeah, you could do that, so they could go it. from, like, a larger distance. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, but, but yeah, and, and that's more true of those, like, fluttery scarf pieces than, like, the pickups themselves. Like, those will, like, actively come toward yeah. you. Yeah, because they're living and they like life. Like yeah. most living things. It's true. But the game is a... It takes a lot, the game also takes a lot of work out of, like, finding these, like, air quotes secret. It's more in the earlier areas than you'd expect. Is it, yeah, because my, I was looking at my achievements just, like, last night, because Chad and I were playing games, because we're cool. And, uh, <laughs> That's true, we are cool. And, and we play uh, games. I only had, like, 28% of the trophies for Journey, so there's apparently a lot of secrets to find. Yeah, true, but... My, my point is that actually in the opening is that they do a good job of doing most of the work of finding those secrets for you out and then progressively make them harder to find over time. Like, I, as a passive observer and not just a player, uh, because I could just have like a holistic picture of the scene, I kept noticing that in the first few levels, any time like a cutscene would trigger where the camera would be like forcibly moved out of player control and then returned to them, when it was returned to them, you almost always had one or more of the lights visible in frame. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the biggest one that I remember is that there are actually two in frame in the bridge level after almost every time one part of the bridge connects. Yeah, this is I was what I was going to uh, like use as my example, so I'm glad that it's like the quintessential example of this. Yeah. It, it, it makes you like, when you go into that area, like it, because they draw a line of sight so well, and, like, the objectives are very clear in this area. It's just sort of teaching you what to do. Um, it, it ends up, like, you end up cutting, like, a like a cross in the area. Because you go, you hit the first one, and then you'll run to the second one and see one of the, or the second, like, big scarf thing. <laughs> and um, you'll do that, see that it puts a bridge portion up, and catch the thing on the side. So you make a run for that one, you fly up to it, grab it, and then you can jump down and get the next one, mm -hmm. and then it's going to show you the other one, and you're going to cross back the other way. So you get like a full view of the area yeah. during this, about both completing objectives, picking up the ostensibly power-ups, because it allows you to fly for slightly longer. Health upgrade. Symbols. Yeah, upgrade. When you said before the game was good on symbolism, I found that funny. It's one of the few games when there's, like, literal symbols. Literal symbols, yeah. I was talking more in a metaphorical sense. Yeah, like, Because I am an artiste. Right, it's like... 
But anyway. Um, <laughs> Past that blatant lie. Uh, um, it, it's a great tutorial area. Like, that one specifically yeah. sticks out in my mind. Because mm-hmm. then, like, the next area is the big open one, which you have to do a similar thing. So mm-hmm. now you're more familiar with what you're supposed to do because the previous area was so good at teaching you what to do. Right. That's a, the game does a really good job of sort of like, and this is I'm sure something that you experienced while watching your mom go through it, mm-hmm. is it's like, the game has, I think, two ever, like, actual, like, developer messages to the player, where it's like, hold circle to do the chime, and hold X to fly. And then, I guess the beginning it shows you the, Cam- the yeah. camera. There's, there's pop-ups for moving the left stick. I should I, I wrote all these down because it was I had I wanted to confirm to myself that there wasn't actually a tutorial for the other stick. Right. But yeah, is they have if they just every now and again will put up pictures of the controller and light up the thing they want you to do. Right. And, it, and if it comes to mind, I think it's just left stick rotating the controller and then the two button prompts. Yep. Doesn't it have to only be for like the PS4 version? And the PC version, because the PS3 controller is what this was released for initially, and that didn't have motion controls. Uh, the PS3 PS3 has motion controls. Yeah. Oh, the, you forget the 6-axis. They stopped supporting oh, it a bunch. Wow. Do you yeah. remember Lair? Because that was the big game where they were like, 6-axis is the shit. Right. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, I forget the developer who made Lair. I but also it, do. Oh, uh, they're, actually, I just remembered it. Uh, they're the guys that made the Rogue Squadron games uh, for like the GameCube, those like Star Wars fighters. Right. So they tried, their specialty was like... I don't remember. Yeah, but yeah. their specialty was supposed to be like flight combat, so they made like a first party dragon PS3 launch title. Oh. Where you like, and you controlled the dragon with the six axis because you were like a lord. I totally remember because <laughs> you were a lord. <laughs> a lord of dragons. Yeah. And I did not realize that was a thing. Yeah, and yep. So that so was. Never mind. But Lair ended up kind of bombing relatively hard. Yeah. So people stopped carrying but, the six axis fast. During the break, we should look up whether or not it tutorialized the right stick on the original version. I, I, that's what I played it on. I don't have a oh, PS4, oh. and I didn't. I don't think it does it even exist for PC. I don't think it's existed. I don't think. Oh, it's, I, I think it's it, a Sony exclusive. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was. On yeah, PC. I played it on well, PS3. Never mind. Yeah. I'm just wrong about everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so it has those few messages, but like, as far as a game about walking forward goes. Uh, like, it does the majority of its tutorializing through, uh, well, basically, it does good tutorializing, like every game should do, <laughs> where it, it teaches you through experience, and it doesn't, like, signpost things, it just gives you the thing to do, and you and just you have do to it. do it. Yeah. yeah, like, and it's, it's very easy to understand, and, I, like, the art style of this game really sort of drives home that sort of uh, directionless direction, as it were, mm-hmm. where you just see, like, a thing the same color as you, which stands out yes. massively against the, the background. It's all done through, like, more artistic design yeah. and, like, in a, like, in a game design sense. It's like things stick out in the environment because of the color scheme. And or, because the environment you know. is a desert. Right. There's, and, there's and nothing like, except the things you care about. And, like, they use... <laughs> Like this, uh, this is another this point I wanted to bring up is this think this game does fixed camera angles better than any game I've ever played. Right. Because like usually I find like fixed camera angles to be like incredibly annoying, but anytime this game like puts one up, it's always like just feels right. It's just yeah. like well placed. 
and like you still feel like you have good control and you can see what's going on well, and it does like I, I a think... great job of like highlighting things and making things that you need to are important like focal points and it's just like really important the, the things that aren't straight in front of you on journey are so so rarely relevant so in another game in which the that sort of like 3D environment first would be more relevant, like some kind of 3D action game or something, right. like it, you'll often care about what's like directly to your left or right or behind you. But that's almost never the case in Journey. I suppose that's true, yeah. Because like there's the part the Tony Hawk level, yeah, where you're sliding. Down. I've, I've retracted that metaphor. It's not the 1080 snowboarding level. No, the 1080 snowboarding. Yeah, level, I accept this. Yeah, that's a little bit better. And you're sliding down, and you go through the tunnel, and then you come out at the end, and it's like the side the shot from the side. I was gonna say that's the ultimate example. Of yeah. This. yeah, and you still have control. So a lot of people are just gonna watch it. Right. Yeah. But like you can still move, mm-hmm. and like it does. You don't feel like oh, I want to like move the camera behind me. Yeah. You just. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing you don't encounter anything that even suggests that you would be punished for not doing that. Right. Which is the other sort of important thing about the openness of the design. It's weird that like you don't feel the urge though. Right. Right. Yeah. There's it's it's not journey is does not threaten you much if ever. It's just those worm things and even those worm things aren't actually out for like your life. There's literally like nothing so in journey yeah. that's here to like kill you. It just wants the scarf and Except the nature. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But you can beat it. You can survive nature. Well, there's an argument to be made that it's like a death allegory. Yes, but 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 you can for all intents and purposes, you can survive (laughs) nature and make it back. It just feel bad. Yeah, just be like, oh, yeah. That's that's a lot of things in this game that. Ooh, I don't know if I want to get into this. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like a really personal it's super, thing. Yeah, it's a really personal thing uh, that I want to save until maybe after um, <laughs> He says break. while looking at the time. <laughs> Just checking the timer to see how far along we are well, in the episode. Before we break, before we break, because I know I won't want to talk about her playthrough anymore. Oh, yeah. I, I, I want to talk about the notable things that did not work for her, like other breakdown points, even in a game as like, open mm-hmm. and obvious as Journey. Uh it was so hard for her to understand, like, the implicit determinants, I guess is the word, of 3D camera position. She kept putting herself in situations where she'd try and, like, see if she could go up a wall or, you know, traverse some obstacle. Because she always thought, for whatever reason, that, like, being as close as possible to the object you're trying to jump over is the easiest way to try and jump over it. Right. Which often isn't the case, but that's beside the point. It's what she thought at the time. But when she kept doing this and then trying to turn around, it kept forcing the camera into the wall, and the camera would never go through it. So she kept running into camera trouble by, like, running into walls and, like, 3D obstacles in the environment. Right. And I found that interesting, because it's the kind of thing that you would never generally think about as a downside, because we're all so, sort of, like, implicitly familiar with how 3D cameras work and how to to fix them. Yeah, like, instinctually through muscle memory, if a camera hits a wall, you just jockey the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one thing that I found really weird, since, like, we've all grown up with 3D games. Right. Um, Is, like... When we tried to get Janelle to play Kingdom Hearts, like, she really struggled with controlling the 3D camera, and it just, like, seemed weird to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's something I always encounter, like, um, anytime that you're, anyone that you're trying to, like, get to play a game who isn't, who doesn't have experience with the type of game, it, like, grasping controls that seem second nature to most people is something that, like, 
legitimately requires some amount of like training and yeah. understanding before you like get it. And like if if you are in game development, likely you've already established these skills. And so games that are designed to be like super this happens all the time in like kids' games. Like games that are specifically for children where they will develop a game and be like, we made this as open, as, as accessible as possible, but they still use twin-stick camera controls, yep. and so kids will just pick up the controller and not know what to do. And it's, yeah, it, it's... I mean, I don't want to call it a problem, because it's such a simple thing to grasp once you understand it, mm -hmm. but it is, like, that is a, a significant barrier to entry for a lot I, of 3D games. But she was able to play, yeah, Janelle being the she here, yeah. um... Twilight Princess, though, which doesn't have, like, dual-stick controls. Yeah, it's it, it, it centers the... You hit the C button, centers the camera behind you. Yep. And that was, like, doable for her, so... And <laughs> that's she, the way that, like, old, again, 64 games are, too, so maybe that's, like, a better gateway than twin-stick. Yeah, right? you have less overall control, but it's easier like to understand yeah you yeah. can you know exactly what's going to happen when you do this specific action yeah she also had no issue with uh first person games that i've seen her play like <laughs> she went through not that it's a dexterity required game but she went through pt without oh, right. like walking straight into a wall right. like i've seen people uh, yeah because uh, you because you can go slow yeah in most of the time in pt <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last thing although this isn't i guess specifically like an interesting mechanical observation like most of them have uh she also did not grasp at all the like implied narrative the like continues she to exist through journey now being jj's mom thank right, you yes, yes. <laughs> my mother while playing through journey did not understand the implied narrative ever which led to like some pretty hilarious misunderstandings i think that's also like not that weird that like some people are just going to like not be in that mindset particularly when you're probably not expecting like if you have a particular view about what video games are, and you right. sit down... Especially, like, someone from our parents' generation who are, like, arcade gamers, who mm -hmm. are, you know, like, used to having, like, a narrative like that in a game. It's just, oh. like, a very, very specific, dis like, assigned goal. That's, like, one sentence. Right. It's right. your goal, and that's all you care about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wasn't 100% sure what you were exactly getting at, and, like, for a second there, I thought that you were, like, some kind of crazy, like, <laughs> savant who just, like, saw, like, the the like, obscured, like, images, like, in hieroglyphics, and we're just like, I know exactly what this game is trying to say. Oh, <laughs> I understand the full history, and it's so weird that anyone wouldn't pick it up. No, no, the, you, the you narrative of moving toward a mountain. No, 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 no. I, I mean, like, even the implied one, but just to extents that were hilarious. Like, she didn't understand that in all the, like, cutscenes when you sit down and interact with the other, right. she had no frame of re reference about what was going on in those scenes, at all. Uh, including when you get to, like, near the end, when, you know, when you they start to show you scenes of, like, the downfall of the civilization and everything like that. Right. Her, like, immediate response, because that comes right after the, like, awesome 1080 degrees whatever level. Yeah. Uh, and she thought that the, like, matron person was sad because she was skiing somehow. Like, that was the connection that she made. <laughs> it was literally like, oh, you said because I was skiing? I was like, what? What? But of course, I didn't say anything because I, want, I didn't wanted to, but... Then he said, mad props to maybe not your mom, but at least to the developers and the animators 
that she was able to pick up that the character was said yeah. on a character with no face. <laughs> or arms. Yeah. It just, it just bends a bit. Yeah. Good bending. It's excellent bending. It's nuanced bending. It is. We'll get back to this uh, after the break. <laughs> <laughs> I think nuanced bending is where we, where we end with it. <laughs> yeah? yeah? We had this whole jelly conversation. I never told you that, like, I fucking love jelly. Like, I eat jelly sandwiches without the peanut butter on them. Oh, yeah. And replace, yeah. And people give me shit for it all you the time. And it's delicious. It's so great. No, jelly is like, well, I mean, you know that, like, JJ is notorious for having a sweet tooth. Yes. And, like, uh, like, jelly is, like, the perfect, like, because it's literally just, like, we took what came out of this fruit and we just stirred in sugar until it became, like, a solid mess. It just... Jelly salad. Yeah, I'm gelatinous mess. Yeah, jelly... It's just something that I think should be enjoyed the way it's intended to be, as like a thin coating. <laughs> I would, I want to see the fucking reference on that. You're like, oh, <laughs> I made jelly to be a thin coating on. Like, so it's many supposed things. to be like an like something you add. It's not supposed to be the main. It's like an additional. I think you're fucking moralizing of like a whoa, food whoa, whoa, right whoa. now. This is coming from a guy who will just like suck the remaining ketchup out of a ketchup <laughs> packet. What? Oh, this pack is, it, pack it. Yeah. Oh, no. No. <laughs> it's like, don't drink it. Like a, like a fucked up hamster. Like, it's just like... Oh, no, I get it, I get it. Yeah, okay. the ketchup bottle suspended from the... Or I guess, for this group of people, like Pikachu in that episode of the anime. Chad, what are you feeding your hamsters? <laughs> you gotta, they gotta eat their vegetables. You gotta nurse them on ketchup. Their ketchup vegetables. Nurse hamsters. Yeah. My hamsters grow to be eight feet tall, <laughs> way two hundred pounds. So I have to nurse them and give them sugar. <laughs> eight foot tall people. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> so we're back. Uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, better than ever. Uh, yeah, oh, probably not. Um, <laughs> so uh, one one of the things I was gonna get into um, before when I said I wanted to move into the break. Um, the game is very is is mechanically fairly shallow, like in terms of like the things you are able to do, mm-hmm. and it, it it sort of um, breaks down into like moving, sliding, gliding, and like the chime. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the game does like as much as it can with what's given to you, but it it obviously doesn't operate like. A, a game with a combat system or like a platformer of, in like the traditional sense. Um, and the thing that I was going to bring up is that uh, one of the areas where the mechanics sort of like where your mastery of the mechanics becomes like an actual part of the game uh, where it largely is not is in uh, the first underground area where they introduced the like floating snake monster enemies. Oh wait, really? How? Oh, because you actually have to I mean, in addition to having to recognize, like, that they have, like, a searchlight and that you have to avoid it, is, um, the ways that you get around those enemies is you have to recognize when they're going to be a problem and then get into cover, like, some area where they're not going to be able to see you. And, like, weirdly I didn't have this issue the first time I played it, but, like, I get, like, needlessly trounced by these guys, like, in the most recent play. Like, I think 
they get rid of my whole scarf at one point. Yeah, mm-hmm. he got attacked like three times or uh, yeah. in a row. And it's like, because of the nature of this game and what is like the underlying thing that sort of colors all discussion on it, in that the game is more of an emotional journey than it is a mechanical one, like... Things like that that would have frustrated me in another game, where, like, if I just, like, kept getting hit by enemies because I was being stupid, uh, I, like, just felt really sad. (laughs) Like, it's such, like, an affecting thing in the context of the game to, like, have, like, the things that you've worked for, like, ripped away from you in a very literal sense. Do your little roll and you sort of lay on the ground for a second in your little sad pile. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're just an unhappy camper laying on the ground, uh, recovering. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I just got lucky, but on that initial underground part, I just, like, walked all the way to the left and hugged the wall (laughs) and they didn't see me at all. Yeah. I feel like that's probably totally possible and probably something that wouldn't have even come up in playtesting. Like... People really understanding the mechanics of the game to the point where they could just, like, avoid, uh, like, all danger entirely. Yeah. Uh, because it's just something that's so not, like, telegraphed. It, it, it's something you have to pick up on your own. Uh, Light, lighting control in those areas, because often the light is... Because they want to keep things, you know, sort of foreboding. So you have the centralized light, lights during your straight path. And everything around you is sort of like shrouded and dark in such a way that it doesn't draw your attention. Yeah, it does it. It does it really well. Um, in ter- like for a game that doesn't have combat, uh, it does the enemy encounters so well because you, in the first time you encounter them, you walk in to this room that's just complete darkness. At least, especially in comparison to the like vast bright desert um, that marks the beginning of your journey. And when you go in there and you see these things, uh, they show them to you immediately. And they're just like, that is not good. Mostly because it's not made of ribbons. But <laughs> it's, it, it's, uh, it's very clear that it's an enemy. And then their attack patterns are mitigated by the uh, searchlights. And so they're the only thing you can really see. And so you know to avoid them when they come around. Then the second time when they're present... It's in a brighter area that's got snow everywhere, and you're already struggling to go through, uh, like the to, to fight against the wind. Yeah, you're struggling to physically move. Yeah, and so the the existence of enemies there just emphasizes that this is the hardship part of the journey. Like this is the thing that's going to try your patience and going to feel very bad, and it's like. If you have knowledge of, of like, the, the structure of the hero's journey, you know that, like, pushing forward, you'll eventually get to your redemption. And uh, it sort of, it allows the player to be driven by that. I mean, if you were unaware, though, it's probably very demoralizing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine Journey's the game that a lot of people, like, quit, though. No, no, definitely not. It's, the, the fail states generally aren't, like, repetitive in, in most cases, unless you've got like a really, really, really low mechanical understanding of things. And even in that case, you often have another player with you that can just do it correctly on screen mm. and allow you to imitate or signpost for you. On the actual like movement mechanics as they're presented in the game, there was sort of like one lingering question ha- I had that I never could come up with like a really solid answer for that I wanted to present to both of you guys. Why is it 
that your jump and like little fly is limited mechanically. Why is it on a meter that requires you to go to those little ribbon guys to recharge instead of either being straight unlimited or being naturally recharging at some constant rate? Well, I, it can't be unlimited because then you just be able to fly indefinitely. Yeah, you wouldn't have to <laughs> overcome. They, I mean, it would just change the design of the game. I imagine that the, the flight mechanic was something that uh, they had developed fairly early, um, but a lot of the game comes from you visiting these specific points and doing an action there. Um, arguably, like, the only mechanic other than just pressing forward. Um, so, if you were able to just, like... Like, the whole bridge section becomes trivial at that point. You don't need to build the bridge. You just fly to the top. But, okay, since both of you are bringing this up, this is... I never conceptualized, because it is limited by the size of your scarf, what you were doing is flying. I always just thought it was like a really cool, elongated jump. I'm assuming that too. I don't mean you can hold X and go straight up in the air forever. I mean like, why didn't they pick a system where either it's literally flying like it is here, but it's controlled by a recharging meter, or one where there's just sort of a predefined arc that you can travel like most jumps in most video games. Okay, um, that second part where it's like a predefined arc, um, I think once again is, is a thing that like mechanically based on the design of levels uh, would, would have to change the way that that works. I think the idea, um, especially with the recharging, because you can also recharge by just being near other people mm -hmm. when they do the chime, um, is from a like purely experiential thing. Like, they want you to seek, like, because the, the flying not only looks good and feels good, but it is, like, your best, like, mechanical method of traversal. Um, and I, I think that having the player characters seek, like, comfort, like, seek uh, the, the scarves, which are... Uh, built up as sort of like a friend character or like you know like it's a positive thing when you encounter them yeah um and that goes all the way through to the scarf sharks and the scarf jellyfish uh <laughs> that you encounter later in the game um that like you like being like having to go find like a thing to give you like a, like the confidence and like the ability to fly is like a, I think a thematic thing, not a mechanical thing. It just stood out to me as a very, comparatively speaking, of course, not forgiving mechanic within the context of a game that is very, very forgiving of lots of things. Yeah, I say I do agree. Like it, the scarves. Well, I, one thing I think it kind of is just like a platformy thing where it's like a collectible that you have to go get. Right. I'm not sure how much water that would hold. If that's what they were going for. But, um, yeah, it does, it feels, like, good to find those scarves. Like, they they feel, like, sentient, and, like, you're finding, like, a little buddy. <laughs> and, like, I have to say, like, the whole, about, on the whole arc thing, it's, I think it's, because the traverse, like, the platforming is more about, like, how far up can you glide, and not mm -hmm. necessarily, like, how, like, what, how big of a jump can you cross right. horizontally. So, like... You steadily like increasing your ability to get higher is what they were going for, and they de designed the levels based on that. Like each one has like higher heights for you to glide up to. 
different, absolutely, etc. It's thematically appropriate too, yes. given the whole mountain climbing thing. Yeah, that's so uh, that's the, what I would say. Yeah, the the thing that I uh, am actually like currently sort of wondering about is that I'm I'm fairly certain I'm right here, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. But when you don't have any scarf charge, yeah. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, you can't jump at all. Nope. Yeah, you you can only walk at that point and like mantle small like heights. Yeah. And so I'm actually fairly certain that the majority of this game can be beaten without ever flying. Like you can do like <laughs> when Andy was watching me play the most recent time. There's this hilarious moment where like right after the whole uh, sand gliding portion of the game, you like have this triumphant like eruption out into like a big open area and that's when it leads into like the dark area where all of the like sand drakes are kept in uh mm-hmm. like the cages and scarf drakes there uh <laughs> and like i just didn't hold x and so my character was like ah and then just fell like a rock into the sand <laughs> uh, and so like i like i'm i can't think of with the exception of the, like, final, like, rise to the top of the mountain, an area where you require the flight. It's the the underground area where you do ascend the pillar. Yep. Uh, but that's, it's constantly being recharged. So, Not like, the whole time. You had to go to the altars. Oh, yeah, yeah to yeah, bring yeah. the And getting to the altars required you to jump. Mm. Which is interesting, given the that first we now... one doesn't. Sure. Right. But we now know that it's possible, from two different sources, you and me, to get your whole scarf removed. Because oh, yeah. I watched my mother lose her scarf entirely during the very, very last level of the game. Mm. Um, where it was no longer relevant, luckily. But. Your mom, better at Journey than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, do you... I find it interesting. Does that mean that there's actually a, like a, a hard fail state in the game? That seems not right. No, because I... Cause that, Other players that part comes... That, but, can, uh, can you be... See, the, this is the, the scarf shark I was referring to earlier. Um, as long as, like, even if you don't have, like, a scarf, like, a visible scarf, you just have a little, like, tag in the back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's what it is. It's not a scarf, it's a shirt tag. tag yeah, it's just, just it's says large, like, yeah, American Apparel. Large. 100% large cotton. Extra large. <laughs> extra, extra large. Uh... But if you have just the tag, you can still fly, but it's only, it's, like, for a very limited period. Um... But uh, when you get through into... Because I went into that area that we were just discussing where you have to fly uh, with no scarf or maybe, like, one scarf segment. And uh, the there's, like, a, a, what I was describing as a scarf shark. It's just, like, a long scarf creature that is constantly circling the area. As long as you're near any of those, you're constantly refilling your, like, flight gauge. Mm-hmm. These are all incredibly video game terms for something that is, like, not a video gamey video game. Yeah. Uh, but, so, as long as you stick to that thing, you can just rise indefinitely. Or up to the level that it goes. Cool. And areas with those enemies probably have extra little glyph pickups to try and, like, even that out, to balance that, so that you aren't just left high and dry with no scarf. Right. Bright. Except the end, of course, where that's the goal. Right. It's to leave you high and dry and cold. And yeah. yeah. High and wet. That's yeah, like, high and moist. I, I never think of snow as moist for some reason, even though it's completely accurate. Right. Yeah, it has, like, uh, like being a cold has, like, climate. sort of a dry... Yeah. Like, 
connotation. But you always get wet when you're in snow. That's true. That's a fact. Science corner. <laughs> no clip science corner. Y'all no, get wet when you're in the snow. <laughs> no clip science. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's honestly sort of all there is, uh, like, mechanically speaking, about the game. Uh, the one thing I feel like we haven't really touched on is the story, but the game doesn't do a whole lot to touch on it either, so. Mm. You can uh, talk about our interpretations. Especially yeah, I mean, the it's ending. totally fine. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's something I thought we would get into anyway. Um, which, I mean, the story is, is told basically entirely through those cutscenes and through the environmental, like. Right. It's all told visually, like, like everything in the game. Yeah, there's done literally visually. no words in the game. Which is especially hilarious when the only words you do see are the names of your, like, cohorts, and their names are, like, 420 Blizzard. Like, <laughs> Fart Commander. Fart Commander. You bastard. <laughs> uh, it's just, like, this seems like a tonal break, but I don't know if they could have done anything to avoid that. No. They could have um, just not put the names The up. names up. They could have just put weird glyphs on the screen. I feel like it's, confusing it's like nothing, a, I guess, almost that specifically for people who go through the game with one guy. Like, if yeah. you just have one person who goes through the whole game with you, like, I can imagine that building enough of a connection where you might want to send them, like, a, a PSN message and be like, hey. good on you, bro. Thank like, you, George Markov. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, granted uh, I would not do that but there are people who do that because people have done that to me while I was playing Dark Souls yeah I was, uh, I was that's actually the, the connection I was going to make because I've received messages from people that I've co-op Bloodborne with who have been like had, thanks for the help I've had similar things with Splatfests oh yeah people send me friend requests wait what oh friend requests yeah. okay they like, send me PSN messages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at that. I, I thought for a second it was possible for like strangers to like send you message pop-ups that appeared on screen oh, no. in the Wii U, and that would be the least Nintendo thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That's the only thing I've seen. Actually, you can. It, it might just be like posts on Meverse or something. It can be to like go die in a hole. Yeah, like I so. Like... I remember I was on. Uh, the Splatoon subreddit and somebody had posted like can someone please translate this and like it was just like an image that some like somebody with a Japanese name had written like a long like passage all in Japanese and he posted it up and somebody was like that guy was like why don't you check your internet connection you fucking prick like (laughs) (laughs) go die you piece of shit and he was like I'm glad to see that like like mindless vitriol, <laughs> like breaks cultural boundaries. <laughs> and the best part is that before the translation, it's like a passage. Which I think <laughs> respect because it's like these like cool unknown majestic yeah, the characters. characters. Turns out someone just wants you to like eat dicks and stuff. Yeah. A classic video game. Classic. Seems great. Actual. It was probably like a twelve year old. <laughs> Just like Journey, the game that we're talking about. Yeah. Is it? (laughs) Yes. I mean, but that's hilarious because that's totally a thing that could, uh, albeit completely unlikely, thing that could happen is, like, after completing the game, getting a message from a guy that's just like, how about you jump better, faggot? (laughs) And it's like, oh my god! (laughs) Uh, That would be... 
I feel like that would put a damper on the, the tone of Yeah, that'd be disruptive, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, there's really nothing they could do to stop that. Except just, they're like, the game's over when that happens, so... <laughs> we're out of the woods, as far as, like, just players being douchebags, guys. Uh, good guys. Good guys. We were talking about the story and got sidetracked a little bit. A touch. Yeah. But the, yeah. about the fact that the story's told through, like pictographs and through uh like those cutscenes and i mean obviously the story is open for interpretation i doubt that there's a hard like plot that's written anywhere about it um i doubt even that there are like clues that would allow interesting fan theories to be formed right you know because like the stuff that often makes for those like cool little bits of information that turn into giant ranting tinfoil hat YouTube videos <laughs> is always like the details that exist but seem like nothing. But Journey doesn't have a lot of sort of like supplemental details. It's, it's very clear in the aesthetic and everything that it's trying to do at all times and there's rarely a lot of clutter. Yeah, Whether, it's very deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, almost nothing in Journey feels like nothing. Yeah. Like, it, it's like something might seem like insignificant but it's there for a reason. And it's usually a gameplay reason. It's not to explain something more about the story of the game. It's just like, yeah. this is like another thing that your character will have to get over in or if it's going to reach its eventual goal. Yeah. There's no mining to be done. Like, we have all the information, we can say, with a pretty high degree of certainty, and we know that information is not enough to anywhere approach the kind of, like, definitive answers that you could look for with stuff like this. Right. I think the joy sort of comes from not looking for the answers yeah. and just... It's about the journey, not the destination. (laughs) (laughs) More true than it it really ever is. And which is represented by the fact that the game hits the end and then puts you back at the beginning immediately. There's no, like, ifs, ands, or buts. It doesn't drop you into a cutscene. There's no opening cutscene in the game. You get credits with, like, your pretty star. Yeah. It's a game that was made by 18 people. Really? Yeah. It was 18 people, and the game took three years to develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something I was going to bring up with slightly fearing sounding like I was reading a Wikipedia page, <laughs> because the information came from Wikipedia. Uh, but it, uh, yeah, the game started with a team of seven people with a development time of one year, and it grew to 18 people and took three years to develop, um, because the team just, like, couldn't agree on things, and... Yeah, right? Seven people couldn't... Yeah, they couldn't agree on it. Uh, Some people wanted there to be more to do and, like, more things in the game and eventually got stripped down. And then the third year was, like, a weird, like, cool-down year because they... uh, Editing. Yeah. (laughs) Editing, editing, editing. Well, they they pared the game down so much um, and they were, like, so stressed about it and, like, the company was actually bankrupt for a period of time. Uh, before the game released. Wasn't Flower pre-Journey? Am I getting the time right? Yeah, it was Flow, Flower, Journey. Uh, oh, I forgot about Flow. I thought Flower was like a PS4 game. Nope. It was probably on the PS4. Yeah. I was thinking it was a PS4 like launch thing, but I guess I'm yeah. wrong. I can understand why I, a company that opened with things like Flow and Flower would be low on the money until Journey. Right. Yeah, yeah and so, yeah, I guess... Uh, 
It was just like the 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 development of journey was in itself like a hero's journey. Yeah. Like the story <laughs> where they like started off and like they were coming off of the success of Flower and like grew a team and like started making their game, encountered hardships, <laughs> and then released to the highest selling PSN game to date. So it was a uh, yeah, it was quite a, quite an arduous task to make this fucking game. That is really interesting. Like it's it's something you would never really think of, but like it is. I feel like if you were making this game, like, the spheres would be really real, like, there isn't enough to do. Right. Or, like, it, I could see that, like, a lot of arguing over, like, all of those little, like, refinements and, like, should this be here, should this not be here, what's too much, what's too little. And yeah. their experience with this is really, I think, a lot of the reason why a lot of indie games, specifically these days, are a lot more confident to just release extremely either like narrow or like pared down offerings and the kind of games that they have i don't know it's i think it's like a specific i could be wrong here but i think it's like a, a specific video game problem that developers keep thinking that they need to like throw in the kitchen sink in mm -hmm. so many contexts and we've, is, we've been moving away from that as a trend for years but it, it, it at the very yeah. least used to be in the culture. this is actually a software development problem at large like a lot of things like require like between clients and like development like uh and producers yeah and all of that and like expectations people always just want to keep adding features to things and it gets to a point where uh like it just is too much and it detracts from the overall product it's like before way before i was into like the analysis of video games and before i was into computer programming this was first introduced to me in what i we always refer to as Tony Hawk syndrome. So if you follow the development of that game, it's like it, every entry just kept adding more stuff and didn't take anything away, and it eventually just became like a mess where you spent most of your time not skateboarding. <laughs> you're like, what happened? Like, why is this even a game? And Journey is like the complete antithesis of that. Yeah. Where yeah. they probably started with more stuff and then made it just about the, the journey yeah. yeah i feel like it's got to be like a huge influence on the state of like where indie games have ended up now because i feel like seeing the success of a game like this makes you like more confident in releasing a game that's not throwing in the kitchen sink right it makes the investors more confident yeah. when you present the arguments yeah. based on the data yeah. and the like journey. games yes. like like undertale and stuff was like six hours long and mm. It's just, like, a very, like, focused game. It's a very simple philosophy where it, it, it comes down to if you're... If the thing that you're making does less stuff... But does it really well. Over the same amount of time, you can make that thing better. And it's, like... It, especially, like, coming in the PS3 and Xbox 360 era, the worlds of, like... Halo and it's like crazy multiplayer scene and Elder Scrolls games where all of these games that are getting really popular are games that have so much in them that it's kind of difficult to say like our game is three hours long it has you use four buttons mm -hmm. and like you know like and it's not about the gameplay and people were probably like you know, understandably not 
in that boat at the time. Yeah. So it is. It's a. It's a. It's a good thing. I gotta wonder, like, how much it's producers that like produce that problem. Produce that problem. <laughs> um, because like, you still get games. Like even like, it was thinking Uncharted is like an eight-hour game. Right. And it's like it was like a triple A title that was really popular. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but. And then you look at I'm just looking at my games over there that yeah. I can think of this yeah. uh, and there's a Batman Arkham uh, Knight no. which is a game that is just fucking packed with shit <laughs> <laughs> and it's not nearly as good as the uh, first two yeah. games we, we made the argument that Skyrim is a game that can successfully take the quantity over quality yeah. that is an outlier yeah, yeah. see when you just keep pressuring the development team to put in more stuff, you end up with Batman in a tank. Right. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I think that could be the the tagline for game development at this point. We don't want Batman in a tank anymore. (laughs) We want Batman doing Batman shit. Yeah. Yeah. We liked it when it was Batman in an asylum. Yeah. (laughs) Not Batman in a tank. In a city. Uh, so much. This is maybe a little bit off topic, and if it is, I'm open to being sort of cleaved with the harsh knife of editing later. Yep. But I I wield it with vindication. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, do you guys, in just your general association with video game culture, often experience the like? time as in the time you get out of a game to like money ratio being like still like a really important thing in the culture at this point in time or not that in used the, to be a thing in the culture yeah like, when people are like how many hours of you know of fun or whatever <laughs> i could say personally i take that into account still i'm not i'm pretty lenient about it though mm-hmm it's like uh yeah like if, if we're talking personally i feel like we have like I think we all draw fairly clear lines as to where we stand on it, um, because like that has gone downhill as like a thing for me. Mm-hmm. Because I know that if a game takes a long time, I'm less likely to finish it at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like culturally, I think it's still very much like part of the scene. I, I, I think that most people still put a higher like value on hours of game than they do on. Good gameness. <laughs> Quality of game would be the smart person way of putting that. That's what, in the context of Journey and the way in which it was part of a larger cultural trend that allowed people to be more comfortable with these like very pared down and very specific game experiences, I'm hoping at some point in the next five years we're going to have like the economic equivalence of that in which someone's going to release a video game that's like an hour and a half long that's $60 that just melts your face off. I want that game to exist. I want the move, like the feature film length video game that's unbelievable and is so unbelievable that it actually changes people's minds and expectations about these sort of things. Because like, I feel like, I feel like way more comfortable spending 60, like the opposite of Chad, spending 60 bucks on a longer game. Like, a lot of my PS4 games I got like on Black Friday, so I got them cheap. Mm-hmm. But like, I would feel way more comfortable paying sixty bucks for The Witcher than I would have been for playing for like the first Uncharted. Yeah, yeah. right. 
it's just I want people to start decoupling the value proposition there as a thing that's like specific to sixty dollars or like the twenty dollar indie scene. I just really wish that people that were releasing games had more flexibility in price so that they they could also have more flexibility in the kind of experiences they could release. Uh, I think well, that nowadays people have more. <laughs> everyone has something to say about this. <laughs> well, the closest thing I could even think of to that is. I'm not joking when I say I would have paid 60 bucks to play PT. Ooh, that's fair. Yeah. The, I think the thing that most people don't, like, consider, or they do consider and just, like, don't care, mm-hmm. is that, like, the price tag on a game, generally speaking, like, barring weird examples like Australia, where, like, there's an unusual import tax on games, and mm-hmm. so they cost, like, 100 bucks, um, is that, like, the, the price tag of the game reflects the development of the game. Like, they're charging $60 for a AAA release because they have, they're paying, like, a hundred people to work on this game and produce something that is of, like, a high, like, fidelity, like, a high, like, technical quality. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you can buy Shower With Your Dad Simulator 2015 <laughs> yeah. for 99 cents because one dude made some pixel art of a guy... And a shower. Yeah. And it just released it on Steam. I was going to bring up Steam. It's like, I think some people are spoiled by Steam sales, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're not that, like, Steam sales are, there's good and bad, with most things in the economy. They do good and bad things, because it actually draws attention. Steam sales get me real bad. I was uh, on my computer, I was, like, just browsing Steam games. And I just came across a game, it's called, like, Bit Dungeon 2. Sure. <laughs> you never heard of it. And it's like, it looks like... Shoutouts to Bit Dungeon 2. Yeah, shout out to Bit Dungeon 2. Yeah, uh, Bit Dungeon 2. Uh, and it, it was like, it's like a Zelda game, like a, like the original Zelda, but it like it almost looks like a ROM hack of A Link to the Past. So it plays like the original, looks like A Link to the Past. I'm like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Oh, it's only a dollar? Right. <laughs> I'll pick up that. It can't afford not to. Yeah. Yeah. The price, like the value accessibilities that I was talking about have become more open as the indie space has begun to expand and it's just physically easier to make games as costs go down. But that doesn't seem to exist equally, if I'm correct, going up, or at least you can't market it that way. Right. Like, it's, like people, people I feel, and this is admittedly speculative, but if, they, if you released, like, a 360 game that was, like, $150, for whatever reason or whatever kind of game was in there, good or bad, people would be in an uproar. Yeah. Well, but special editions still exist. People right. are still willing to pay $150 for, like, the shinier thing that has, like, a statue and DLC packs and all sorts of art books and stuff. I think but somehow <laughs> you can't do that in the context of a game. You can't also make the value of the game higher. Yeah. The, the best example of that uh, that didn't cause an uproar because it was awesome uh, is the uh, the the regular standard retail edition of Steel Battalion. I was about to bring up Steel yeah, Battalion. Yeah, it cost like $170 because it was a game and then it was a mech cockpit <laughs> controller. Are you aware of Steel Battalion? Yes. The game, thank God you're aware of Steel Battalion. I remember you telling me about it like in high school. Yeah, the year ago. Yeah. If you were unfamiliar, please Google the Steel Battalion controller because it is like... It, it is two video game peripherals <laughs> what, like, modern art is. Where it's like, this is gonna, like, like warrant a higher price tag, but when you look at it, you're just gonna be like, 
My god. Yeah. I'm Oculus, glad that this exists. All you Oculus Rift people, so spoiled. You can just pretend that there are levers there. You don't have to physically manufacture and sell the levers. That needs to be the next like big movement in indie games is incorporating the steel of battalion controller <laughs> into like every game. That won't make the price of the yeah. steel battalion controller. Can you controller imagine playing shot. like keep talking and nobody explodes with the steel battalion controller? <laughs> Where they're like, alright, uh uh, flip levers A, C, and E4, <laughs> Roman numeral 2, button, pry it out. That would be really fun, also, if you ever played Space Team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be fun yeah. with that, too. Oh, yeah. Similar game. Yeah. And you could do, like, weird interactions that wouldn't be, even things, like, as close to, like, button prompts and lever pulls that exist in some other games. With crazy things like the Steel Battalion controller or more advanced things like that, you could be like, alright, now shift with, like, the foot clutch and make sure and <laughs> go in. It'd be fun. Uh, yeah. But, Journey does not have peripherals. Damn. Journey is not a $60 game. It's, it's a $15 game uh, at the worst of times. Uh... Meaning when it's not on sale. Uh, <laughs> uh, In the dark times. Yeah. Journey was made by a team of 18 people, and it's still a fantastic experience. Yep. Like, I don't know exactly how I'd rate it as a game, but as an experience, it's, it's like... It's a category. It those, is good. Those are like one and the same for me. So right. I well, rate Journey very high. <laughs> I mean, like, I wouldn't, like, if I were to sit down, if I worked for, like, Kotaku or, like, Joystick or something, and they were like, assign a number value to Journey. Like, that's a thing that we don't have a metric to explain. Yeah. Like, the Journey affects you the way that it affects you, and that is what it brings to the table. Like, and, and, and like the, the the fact that it is as cheap as it is and as short as it is means that it, and as easy to play as it is that it can affect a large number of people and I think that's like a that is the game's like main point of notoriety. I have sad news for you, Chad. Oh yeah, that, is, that joystick uh, is has it not existed six... for years. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. Joy, joystick was uh, a, sub, not a subsidiary, but like a it was made by uh, like the AOL guys. Oh, weird. Yeah, so that's... That's, that's the collapsed. That's my hard-hitting uh, games <laughs> journalism. I referenced a, uh, a publication that no longer pub- publishes. publishes. <laughs> that word? Uh, yes, it does not publish. Has not for years. I, I thought you were going to say, I have some sad news for you. They just released the $60 uh, <laughs> special edition With retail <laughs> Oculus Rift support, you like. It's a motion oh, capture. Can you imagine cake. a game yeah, yeah, that looks this good in VR? Oh, yeah, it'd be crazy. That would be awesome. Or looks I, like this. I, I still have a hard say. time wrapping my head around like third person games in VR. Like, I can only think no, of I VR mean, as a first person I'm not thing. saying imagine this game, but Played for virtual VR, reality. Right. I'm just like a first person VR game yeah. in an aesthetic world that's like Journey. That yeah. would be fucking incredible, I think. I wonder which one of us is going to break down first and buy a VR machine. It's going to be me, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) As we established in the Portal cast, I'm still super skeptical of VR. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's, I'm going to be the one to do it eventually, but like... You are. It might be in a while, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. At least one in the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, alright. 
Thank you uh, for listening to the analysis of Journey that contains the word fuck more than any other. Uh, what? Probably. Oh god, I say fuck a lot without thinking about it. We say life. fuck a ton on the oh, show. I definitely oh, no. said that they packed a fuck ton of things <laughs> into Batman. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, nice. It was just something I was noting because we were talking about how accessible the game was. We were just like, fuck, fuck. It's fuck. so fucking accessible. <laughs> fucking babies can play this fucking game. Holy fuck. <laughs> All our fucking baby listeners. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Until next time, uh, if you want to talk to us about anything, um, you can uh, send us an email at noclippodcast at gmail.com, uh, on our website, uh, noclippodcast.com, and also now noclippodcast.net, yeah, yeah. because of a weird technical thing, we now have two web addresses, um, where you can see our new website, uh, designed mostly by Andy Kinnick. It is pretty. Entirely by Andy Kinnick. Go to .net, it's better. Well, .com (laughs) now redirects to .net. Ah, So So if you get lost, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you'll now be able to be pointed in the right direction. And um, as always, we post our episodes there, and we post them on YouTube. Um, But in addition to that, if this isn't how you're currently listening to it, um, we're on iTunes now. Yay! So, uh, typical podcast shilling, uh, you can rate us and comment on iTunes if you choose. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about next time? Next time, uh, we're going to be talking about Broken Age, um, which would be our first historically, uh, adventure game, despite me and Andy, uh, having sort of like a renaissance with the genre recently. And completely sort of in line with me having no familiarity with the genre of present or past. Yeah. So, um, that'll be a good time. We can have... Have a fun time. Um, that email address that we give out every week uh, is wrong. No, it's correct. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be like that. Be interesting. <laughs> Shit. Um, <laughs> well, but yeah, that's. Uh, I always just kind of say like, you can get a hold of us at this. I know he really wants to get a hold of us for any reason at all. Um, the real reason that that email address exists uh, is like for you know, questions, comments, and, like, interaction with us. Yeah. Um, which we haven't done anything with yet, uh, because nobody listens to our show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, like pretty much every podcast that exists on any topic, uh, we would we do intend to, if we get, like, feedback of any sort, address it on the show. Very formally. So we'll, add, yes. we'll add a segment. Right. Like, just, yeah, just something to, and I mean, that we'll cross that bridge if and when we come to it. Yeah. Um, but if, for whatever reason, the addition of uh, iTunes to our distribution platform, you know, the most popular <laughs> podcast distribution network on the planet, um, brings anybody into the show, uh, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Like, yeah. any sort of interaction at all. Um, we do this sort of to, like, facilitate discussion. Life problems. <laughs> Interaction having nothing to do with the show, you know, that's fine as well. Or yeah. even us, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, we, we do this, this show to, like, you know, facilitate discussion and make video games a cool thing to talk about. They and, weren't before we were here. Yeah. And so we want to talk about them with other people. So, you know, if you want, that's there. Well, you not and no we'll podcast at gmail. Okay. Resent you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
another one in the books. Yeah. Mm. Mm -mm. Wrapped up yeah. with a bow right. that was Chad making an octopus uh, noise. Uh, yeah. Let's go talk about Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs>